I want you to picture yourself sometime this week. You are at school, you're at your job, you're in the grocery store, at the gym, and you meet somebody who has just moved to Austin. It's a high possibility for any of us, right? And so you ask them some questions, you know, where are they living? Where does their Texas family live? Do they root for the Longhorns or the Aggies? Or if they're smart, they root for the Georgia Bulldogs. And and then you decide you're going to tell them a little bit about yourself. And so you give them just kind of your story. And then you muster up the courage and you tell them, I go to an amazing church. But then the guy, he looks back at you and he's like, what makes your church so amazing? I mean, I am okay with Jesus, but I am not in to church. So what would you respond? How would you respond to his question? Well, it's okay if you don't know exactly what you would say. You don't feel like you have the, the right articulation to say back to him. I still am trying to figure out exactly what I would say. The thing is, is that as I've been here over the past nine months, there is one thing that keeps surfacing that is uniquely amazing about this place we call Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. And it's that we love to gather together. We love to be here and worship. We gather together to sing and pray. There are people that gather around Bible studies. There are people that gather in community and life groups and renewal groups that have been meeting for decades. And then there are some of us that gather to be sent. And so we go into the community and we serve mobile loaves and fishes or foundation for the homeless or out at community first. And we we gather for all these reasons. And so as you're processing this and talking to your new friend, you realize, you know what, you could gather anywhere. There's lots of places to gather. You can join a a kayak group, street bikers, skeet shooters. You can be a join, you can gather in your community, in your school, in your workplace. Do you really need to gather at a church? And this is what I want us to look at over these next five weeks is I want all of us to be able to say, you know, this is why we're choosing to do it in the context of a faith community. Yeah, we, we believe in Jesus, but we actually believe you need to be part of a body of Christ because being spiritual is super cool. Being spiritual is relevant. It's accepted. It's something you can talk about out in the community, but being religious, that's, that's kind of a, a boundary crosser. And so... This morning, we're going to talk about what is the most essential element of our faith. What is the most essential thing that we gather around? And that's worship. So we come from a Reformed tradition, came out of Scotland in the mid-16th and 17th centuries. And in 1647, a group of men got together and they decided that, you know what, the people that were following Jesus, they could respond to that question. They didn't have an easy way of saying, you know, this is why we're choosing to do this faith as a community. And so they wrote this thing called the Westminster Confession of Faith. Now, many of you over the age of 50 that grew up in a Presbyterian church, this was literally how you learned the faith. 
It was created as a teaching tool for young people and it was done in a question and answer format. And if you remember, the very first question of the Westminster Catechism is what? Say it out loud if you know what it is. What is the chief end of man? What is the ultimate goal of human life? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. The answer, what is our ultimate purpose in life? Is to worship God. So the thing about humanity is we are so good at worship. Since the beginning of time, we have found things, we have found people that are very easy to adore. C.S. Lewis says this, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day end up being your idol. I found this clip. It's not a recent clip. I did that on purpose because I didn't want any of us in the room to say, oh, it's just since social media that we've become idol worshipers. Um, I want you to pay attention to how the newscaster speaks about what is going on. Not that the crowd saw very much of the Beatles. Drenched, tired, and ready for bed, they flashed past the fans in a cavalcade of cars and drove right in before they got out. The fans mobbed the entrance to the hotel, but police were there too, and moved across to hem them in. Inside, the Beatles rested. They faced more public appearances in the afternoon when press conferences were scheduled. Some of the fences hold, others do not. A minor miracle is mounted by the fact that there are no injuries spread among the near-hysterical crowd. This truly is a social document for our time. You couldn't hear it very well. He said, this truly is a social phenomenon of our time. And then he said, look at the people glancing at their idols. Friends, we are good at worship. And so this morning, we are going to look at what, what do we do differently here? We gather week after week. And, and you know what's super unique about worship in the life of Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church? It is the only thing we do that is non-striated. All genders are welcome. All identities are welcome. All ages are welcome. And we all gather together each week. There's this one story in the Gospel of John. Jesus finds himself at this well in the land of Samaria. And a woman approaches him and she asks him for a drink of water. And they begin to have this deep discussion about worship. It's really one of the few places where Jesus tells us what he thinks worship should be. So I want you to turn with me to John's gospel as we see what he has to say worship means. The Samaritan woman says to Jesus, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. 
Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither here on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This too is the word of the Lord. This is such a beautiful passage. I love it for so many reasons. It's, it's one of the few examples that we have of Jesus encountering a complete stranger who has no clue who he is. And so it gives us this great model for how to have a conversation about faith. I love that in this conversation, Jesus breaks all societal rules. You are not supposed to talk to women in public. Jews are not supposed to associate with Samaritans and Jesus doesn't care. He's gonna have a conversation. But for our context today, I love how Jesus makes it so simple. This is what worship is. And he says it simply, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. And friends, that's what we do week after week. Is that some of us might have entered even today thinking, you know what, I don't really know. I don't remember. My week was hard. I've suffered. I'm dealing with people that are suffering. There's a world that's fallen apart. And we come here and we gather to remember what we know. And if you came in not knowing, then guess what? We're going to remind each other. And the first thing that we gather around every single week is we gather to confess. We gather because this is what we know. We know we serve a God who before when our confession, there is no shame. There is no embarrassment. We can be completely vulnerable and God says, amen. We know that as Stacy just said, the old is gone, the new has come. We are new creations in Christ. That is what we know. We also know that we gather every week and we, and we sing songs and hymns and pray songs because as the psalmist declares, God is worthy of our praise. Listen to what Emily read. Declare God's glory among the nations. His marvelous works. We come together because even though the world is declaring other things, we are going to come here. And we are going to declare because we know that we serve a good God who is at work who will not be overcome by darkness. And we gather around the word of God, not because the preacher does it. It doesn't matter who's up here speaking because we believe, this is the thing, the Holy Spirit is within each of us. And we believe that the word is just the word proclaimed and that it is going to speak to each of you in a unique way. And it, it, God is going to be working out your story in conversation with the story of God because this is what we know. We know that Holy Scripture is the revealed word of God and it tells the good news of Jesus Christ. We also gather because we know 
that prayer changes us. And every week we come to say prayers. We say the same prayer every week. We say that Lord's Prayer together to remind ourselves this is what we know. And we have an opportunity for you to receive private prayer at every service because we believe that prayer actually does work. And we choose to gather around what we know. We choose to not gather around our differences. Because believe me, this room is filled with a lot of different ideas. And we believe different things about politics and social and moral issues. Oh, but like Jesus at that well, he was so different from that Samaritan woman. Her difference did not make any difference in what worship meant. And here at WHBC, all of our difference, it does not matter because we have resolved to know one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, who walked this earth, who died for each of us, and who is risen. And that is what we come every week to remind ourselves, this is what we know. And we do this in a unique, unique way here. Very unique compared to other churches in our area. He tells the woman, this is what it means. It means, he says, you need to worship in spirit and in truth. And I believe that means you need to do it in a certain way, a way that is reflective of the other seven days that you are apart from here besides the one hour. We already do this. You know, we, we do things in, that are different. We let children stand up and worship and move around. And we think candles are going to get knocked over. And, and that's okay because we... We want children to feel welcome in worship. We do this in unique ways that we have a trumpet and an organ and a guitar and a choir, and it still sounds amazing. These are unique things. You let women preach. This is unique, y'all. <laughs> but, what, but what I wanna propose is that we have the possibility to do something that is so unique. And that is to leave this place every week and live a worshipful life. We have this opportunity to be gathered together as a community of faith around all these amazing things and then to say, you know what, it wasn't just an event. It wasn't just an experience. This is just the springboard for me going back to my school, going back into my home, going back into my workplace where I can flesh this whole living for Jesus thing out. So your friend, your new friend in line looks at you and says, you know, I, don't, I still don't get why you have to do that with other people. Can't you do that worship thing that you're talking about? I mean, can't you do that from Starbucks, your pool, a, a nice hike? I mean, I've had some worshipful moments on hikes seeing the sunrise, seeing the sunset? Why do you have to get together with other people? Last week at 10 a.m., right, right when we were doing our worship service, someone I follow on Instagram posted this picture. It was of a wife and a dog on a boat. And this is what the caption said. Church on the Gulf today. These two are my ministers. And the person who posted this, I respect so much. 
I have admired her journey. I have, I have been envious of the courage that she has had to be able to share things and I thought, oh no, you got this wrong. You have millions of followers who are looking at you to tell them what to do about your faith and you have just said it is okay for it to be on a boat with your dog. You see, the reason that it is so important for us to do this together is Jesus said this is the body of Christ. I know that, I I truly believe that God planted within each of us this innate desire to get to know our creator. We are all children of God, we have all been created by God and so there is this desire but I also know that God gave me the ability to have desire for other things. And I know that those desires if left unchecked by a community, can easily just become priority. I need you all. There are weeks when I I don't feel like I can sing, I have 10,000 reasons to be able to praise you. But I come in here and you remind me. We need to gather together every week as a body of Christ because we are stronger together as a community. This is church. This is what it's like to be part of the body of Christ, for this to be our gathering place. I know it's not popular to say that. I know it's not popular to say that you have to be connected to a community of faith, but I believe it with every fiber of my being. And so, why do you come? Well, because we love to gather together, but we don't just love to gather together to give each other's hugs and pats on the back. We come week after week so, because we worship what we know. And we worship in a way that worships in spirit and in truth. Golly, I hope one of us gets asked that question today. Amen.